Welcome to the Church in the Peak podcast. We hope you enjoy this message. For more information, visit churchinthepeak.org or come join us at 10.30am every Sunday. I want to pray for you, Peter. Go on then. Socially distanced prayer. Lord, we just pray for Peter that you would speak to us through him this morning. Bless him as he uh, prepares, has prepared this word and just come and anoint him to bring your word to us in Jesus' name. Amen. Seeing if it's working. Yes, it's working. Great. Well, it's uh, good to be here this morning. I've been surprised um, by two things this morning, uh, which I probably shouldn't be surprised by. Uh, the first was um, that um, my ears are big enough to take a face mask, my glasses and a headset microphone I really shouldn't have been surprised at that, but I was. And uh, the other one is that uh, as we were um, singing, as we were um, having words this morning, that God's already gone before in what I want to say. And uh, that's an experience that I have so often uh, when I speak, that uh, God's gone before and he's already prepared the ground for us. Now, I don't know whether you uh, tuned in a couple of weeks ago and Neil was speaking uh, about prayer. And uh, I was uh, listening uh, to that, and um, I am um, kind of, I often feel a bit bad about prayer, because I'm, I'm, I'm not very good at praying, and uh, when I do pray, it's kind of, it's often really short, and, and, and doesn't sound very eloquent, um, and, and, and I would sit down to pray, and, and, and I get distracted really quickly, so I, kind of the first 10 seconds are quite good, and, and, and then I drift because I get distracted so easily. And um, it's not that I haven't tried um, learning how to pray. So I, I decided um, I, I'd just have a quick look and see um, what I had read about prayer. So I've, I've read the common lectionary. I've, I've done my kind of reading in the morning with a bit of prayer. This one's breakfast with God. How to be a praying parent, you know. The good parents pray lots for their children. Um, the prayer of Jabez a few years ago, we were all getting into the prayer of Jabez and we wanted to enlarge our tents. But maybe I just need a bit more discipline, so there's Richard Foster's celebration of discipline. You wanna you wanna celebrate getting getting just down to praying properly. Oh, and then, and then we want to get our children praying, so we've got praying teens, and, and then I read, uh, you know, about praying 24-7, God on mute. Um, it's absolutely excellent. It's one of my fave books, um, but I'm still not very good at praying. And, and then there's, there's books that I've read like, don't just stand there, pray something! And, and then I still don't. And then, and then there's uh, prayers from the ages, and then and there's anthologies of prayer, and more books and more books. And I've read all these books, and... I'm still really rubbish at praying. I go to prayer meetings and, and I can't get a word in edgeways half the time. But uh, and then, then when I do, uh, it's like I, I get one sentence in and it's like it fizzles out. And, and I think, oh, everybody else sounded really good. And, and I said one sentence and it's kind of like, oh, is that all you've got to offer? And I feel really inadequate. At praying. Well, what did Jesus say about praying? Because I guess I'm not the only one who feels like this. Well, basically, he said, 
Don't do your big fancy prayers. Pray some simple prayers. Pray like this. And he tells us how to pray. You know, when I, when I communicate, um, it's kind of generally fairly short and to the point. When I send an email, I, I don't say lots. There's not lots of flowery words at the beginning to introduce what I'm going to talk about. No, I just say what it is and I say thank you and sign my name, if I'm feeling polite, that is. My, my texts often answer the question that I've been asked and sometimes with just one word. Most of the time, says Neil. Um, when I wrote a book, it was incredibly little thin. It's more like a booklet. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I don't necessarily say a lot. And then I wonder, well, with prayer, should it, should it be different? You know, this is communicating between me and God. Surely it should be big and, and, and colorful and flowery and... You know, I don't know that it needs to be. When we look at Jesus, he's he's on the cross. And one of his prayers on the cross is, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? He doesn't go on to explain himself. He doesn't add to it. He just says to his Father, Why have you forsaken me? And you know what God's answer was? He dies. And then he gets sent to hell for three days. Now, I don't know whether that's what Jesus had in mind when he said to his father, why have you forsaken me? He probably had in mind, you can send your angels to rescue me at this point in time. But no, God's response, three days in hell. But the thing is, God knew that there would be victory. God knew that he was going to raise him from the dead, that he was going to break the power of death once and for all. Might not have been what Jesus was hoping for, but it was the Father's plan for him. And you know, that gained a great victory, a victory over death which wasn't there before. The thief that was next to Jesus, his prayer, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And you know, that can be our prayer too. If you're thinking, I'm scared of death, I'm scared of what is beyond, I'm scared of what's going to happen in my future. You can pray just like the thief did. Remember me, God. Remember me as you come into paradise. Remember me. And Jesus' response to him, today you will be in paradise. So we get this idea that maybe God likes the long flowery and maybe he does. Maybe you're good at that. Maybe you're good at communicating in a really big way. But I think the short is often sufficient. Pamela, my wife, she sends such long texts that she gets billed for them even though her text should be free because she's gone so many texts in a row in one text. Occasionally, though, she just sends me a one-letter text. Kiss. And I know exactly what it is she's communicating. She doesn't have to send lots and lots. Just one letter does it. 
Chloe's just as succinct. I ask her her question, and what do I get back? K. It's not like it must take much more time to say okay, but all I get is a K. But I know what she means. I know she agrees with me and that that's fine. She doesn't need to say any more. In Ecclesiastes, um, Solomon uh, agrees. It says, the more words you speak, the less they mean. So what good are they? And sometimes saying what you mean is the most important thing. I wonder if you think that God hears you less if you pray a really quick prayer. I'd argue that when a child cries out, help, mummy, the parent comes running straight away. They hear that above any kind of babble that the child might be doing that goes on for ages and ages. Yeah, 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 yeah. But help, mummy. Suddenly they come running to help with the problem. And I think God's exactly the same. That when we say, help God, he comes running because he's our father. In the Bible, we, um, we hear about prayer and it, it's littered with examples. Paul in prison, he prays a one-liner and the, the doors are opened. Jesus on the cross I've just talked about. Nehemiah rebuilding the walls of Jerusalem. Many of the Psalms. There's one-liner prayers in there. And actually, God comes and he answers those one-liner prayers. So what's my experience in all of that? Well, I can say that my experience of late is that God answers my one-liners. The last um, few weeks, and part of the reason that I've been kind of thinking about prayer in this way, is I've had three close calls uh, within a couple of weeks. And um, all of them involved a quick prayer of help. First one, I was going down the big hill in Bakewell um, behind a car, and it did an emergency stop. And at 30 miles an hour on a bicycle, an emergency stop takes a bit of a bigger distance. And I was like, oh, God, as I was going back towards the back of the car sideways. And somehow, the bike snapped back, and I was in control, and the bike stopped. A couple of days later, I was going down a hill at 45. It was a 30-mile-an-hour limit, I'll admit that, and I think the angels had fallen off my bike, and, uh, and suddenly my tire blows out. And I was just like, what is happening? I had no idea. The brakes weren't working, I couldn't stop, and the bike was all over the place. And I got off, and I was fine. And then the third one was probably the most scary one. So um, we were on holiday in Cornwall a couple of weeks ago. And um, my son Matthew and I, we were out on the ocean and we went to a lovely bay and we had a lovely day on the beach with a family. And then um, we got back in our boats to, to go back to where we were staying. And uh, I was in a little kayak and uh, it's not one made for the sea. And I didn't have the right equipment. And uh, as we're going out, the, the the kayak's filling up with water. And I should have said, this, this is not a sensible idea, but I didn't. And so we went further and further out to sea until the point where the waves were overwhelming the kayak. And I couldn't keep control anymore. And I was like, God, you're going to have to help me in this one. And uh, a couple of waves later, I knew I had to bail. 
and get out the canoe because it was starting to sink. And uh, there was me, arms over a canoe, upturned in the ocean, kicking like anything, being sucked towards a whole load of big rocks, and the waves were four to six foot high, and they were crashing over the top of me as I had this canoe. And I was just, you're going to have to help me in this. I don't know how to keep off the rocks. I shouldn't be here. I know I've done something stupid. I know I could die. Matthew said he looked over and he saw me face down in the ocean and I didn't seem to be moving and he thought I was a goner. And uh, I got somewhere near to where he was and I said, can you pull me? Have you got enough power to pull me and a canoe and get us to safety? And he pulled me from the rocks and I was a couple of canoe lengths from the rocks and I'd been dashed to pieces. It was a bit of a pooey pants kind of moment. But... I got towards the beach, and I was safe, and I got there. God heard my cry of, you're going to have to help me in this, because I really didn't have anything to give. Sarah Charka was mortified when I told her that story, not being well prepared on the ocean, that I should have done it better, and yes, maybe I should, but I didn't. And God saved me. But you know, I think there's other times that, that actually we, we don't realize that um, God's with us and he's protecting us. There's a, there's a psalm, Psalm 124. It says, what if the Lord had not been on our side? The waters would have engulfed us. I read this the day after I'd been in the ocean. The waters would have engulfed us. A torrent would have overwhelmed us. Yes, the raging waters of their fury would have overwhelmed our very lives. But praise the Lord. We escaped like a bird from a hunter's trap. The trap is broken and we are free. Our help is from the Lord who made heaven and earth. And that's our story. That actually with what Jesus did on the cross, we, we were trapped like a bird in a cage. But the cage has been broken open by what Jesus did on the cross, and we are free, free to fly. As it says in Job, yes, God does these things again and again for people. Again and again, he says. He rescues them from the grave so they may enjoy the light of life can tell you after some close calls, you start to enjoy the light of life. But what about the things that we, we're not sure that, that we don't know about? The close shaves. A number of weeks ago, again, I was out for a bike ride and I was caught up on the bike ride and ended up behind a lorry. If I'd been in front of the lorry, I'd have been involved in a massive accident. Um, probably wouldn't have made it. Two cars completely wiped out. Three big casualties. And, uh, and I was able to help in the accident. But if I hadn't been caught up, which I was really frustrated about earlier in my ride, I'd have been in there. But how many things don't I know about? Where God delays me, and I'm frustrated that I've been delayed. But God knows what's going to happen, and he wants the best for me. 2 Corinthians, it says, We think... You ought to know, dear brothers and sisters, about the trouble that we went through 
in the province of Asia. We were crushed and overwhelmed beyond our ability to endure. How often do we feel like that? And we thought we would never live through it. In fact, we expected to die. But as a result, we stopped relying on ourselves and we learned to rely only on God who raises the dead. And he did rescue us from mortal danger. And he will rescue us again. We have placed our confidence in him. And he will continue to rescue us. And you are helping us by praying for us. Then many people will give thanks because God has graciously answered so many prayers for our safety. And I want to encourage you this morning that praying isn't about the big flowery prayer. It's not about going on and on and on and on. It's about communicating our heart to God. And you know what? If that's a one-liner, if that's a two-worder, help God, he doesn't hear it any less. He's your father. He wants the best for you. And he wants to know what's on your heart. And I want to encourage you, speak back to God more often. I want to finish up with this. God is our refuge and strength. Always ready to help in times of trouble. So we will not fear when the earthquake comes and the mountains crumble into the sea. (laughs) And he finishes up with this. Be still. And know that I'm God. So if you're going about your week this week and it seems completely pants, I want to say to you, God hears your prayer. Just be quiet. Tell him what's on your heart. And he knows it. Prayer is simply communicating with our Father. And he desires for us to tell him what's on our hearts. And the fantastic thing is, he hears our prayer.